Hey, it's Bobby Richards, producer of the Business Made Simple podcast. Every episode of the show, we focus on coaching you through what's keeping you up at night when it comes to running and growing your small business. The overwhelm is real, especially when you feel trapped in the day-to-day operation or stressed, discouraged, and constantly second-guessing the plan you've implemented for growth. Well, in Donald Miller's new book, How to Grow Your Small Business, you'll get a proven six-step plan for growth so you can stop drowning in the details and finally start spending more time doing the things you truly love, both in your business and in your life. So if you are ready to experience freedom, flexibility, and growth for your small business, How to Grow Your Small Business is the book you've been waiting for. And if you pre-order How to Grow Your Small Business at growyoursmallbusiness.com right now, you'll get a free audio summary of the book delivered right into your inbox. Stop losing sleep worrying about whether or not you're growing your small business the right way and start using a proven plan that works. Just pre-order How to Grow Your Small Business at growyoursmallbusiness.com. Before we get started, I want to tell you about Entrepreneurs on Fire, hosted by John Lee Dumas. It's available now on the HubSpot Podcast Network. Entrepreneurs on Fire stokes inspiration and shares strategies to fire up your entrepreneurial journey and create the life you've always dreamed of. Here are some fantastic episodes to check out first. One, eight tools of improv comedy in work and life with Katie Goodman. That sounds interesting. She's a comedian, author, and speaker. Katie Goodman applies improv rules to the rules of business. Here's another one. How to turn your Instagram into a money-making machine with Zach Benson, the founder of Assistagram, shares tips for optimizing your Instagram account for financial gains. And... How to build a seven-figure side hustle without quitting your full-time day job. Shark Take winner entrepreneur Sean Patel shares tips for building your side hustle into a powerful income stream. So if you are needing strategies that fire up your entrepreneurial journey and help you live your best life, listen to Entrepreneurs on Fire wherever you get your podcasts. As a business owner, if you are worried about payroll and worried about revenue and in your own head, what can happen to you very quickly is you can stop thinking about your customers because we're so busy with the voice in our own mind that we don't have empathy for the very people who are paying us money for a product. If you identify with anything that I'm talking about, you're going to love today's conversation with Will Goddard. He knows a thing or two about being present. He's got a book coming out called Unreasonable Hospitality. This is one of those come to Jesus episodes. <laughs> this is this is one of those episodes where you just say, I think we've lost our heart and this is a gift from God to help us find it again. With that, welcome to the Business Made Simple podcast brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network. This is the only place that coaches you through a six-step plan to grow your small business. And we do that by helping you build your business like an airplane. The cockpit is your leadership. The body is your overhead. The right engine is your marketing. The left engine is your sales. The wings are your products. And the fuel tanks are your cash flow. If you master the six parts of a small business, your business will fly far and fast. Every week, we help a business owner just like you optimize their airplane. I'm your host, Donald Miller. Today's conversation is all about the cockpit. It's about leadership, but we're not talking about profit and loss statements and reverse engineering and mission statement and all that kind of stuff. We're talking about your heart. If you would like customers not only to pay you for your product, but to never, ever forget you, you are going to love today's conversation with Will Godara. Will, I'm so honored to talk to you. I mean, I've heard such wonderful stories. A buddy of mine, Matt Wirtz, 
ended up in Long Island or something, and you had taken over a house and built a restaurant for the summer? Or Is this ringing any kind of bell? <laughs> yeah. Well, first of all, man, I'm so happy to be here. So thanks for yeah. having me. Um, I think what Matt's talking about is uh, I renovated my restaurant, which required closing it for three months. That's right. And by that point, I knew enough to realize that if I lost my team during the renovation, then the whole thing was a fool's errand. Yeah. <laughs> so... So we moved the whole restaurant to the Hamptons for the summer, moved That's the right. entire staff to the Hamptons with us. And man, we had a blast. Well, he said the food was just unbelievable. And it was like a secret that he found out about. But it also sounded like you were having a great time. Hmm. And, you know, you, you started the number one restaurant in the world. You won a James Beard Award. I mean, you know, it's, it's really unbelievable what you've accomplished. Your book is called Unreasonable Hospitality. And I want to know how hospitality has sort of driven all of this success. Is it the thread that goes through everything that you've created? Yeah, it, it is. And, and I'll explain the title a little bit. You know, I'll, I'll speak first from my world. In restaurants, all the greatest restaurants in the world have become great because their chefs were completely unreasonable in coming up with the best, most innovative, most delicious food to put on the plate. What does reasonable mean in that context? I mean, if a chef is unreasonable, we're all thinking of a diva, but I don't think that's what you're talking about, right? No, yeah, that's not what I, I, I'm just talking about people who will go to whatever lengths to, to do whatever it takes that are so passionate about creating the best possible product that they give all of themselves to make that happen, that they show unbridled intention, foresight, um, thoughtfulness, um, innovation, creativity. And so my whole thesis was there were plenty of chefs that had been unreasonable in creating the best food possible. I wanted to be just as unreasonable in pursuit of relationships, in pursuit of hospitality, in pursuit of how we made our guests feel when we served them that food. And I do believe that's the through line of all of our success from every restaurant that we opened. Well, I mean, g give me an example of of like when you started uh, Eleven Madison Park or or something like that or Nomad. I know I I ate a I ate the hot dog at the Nomad Hotel. It's unbelievable. <laughs> it's hot dog at home. It will change your life. That's a good hot dog. Yeah, it's a very good hot dog. And I'm everybody thinks we're joking right now. And I'm not. This is the best hot dog. It's, it's not a normal hot dog. Um, so you know what what do you mean by that? And how, and how did you do that? Like, give us examples of how how you guys went. This is how this is how what we're going to do to make people feel special. Well, so I'll, I'll give you an example. And it actually started with a normal hot dog um, <laughs> at Eleven Madison Park. So the restaurant that became the number one restaurant in the world. I was in the dining room helping the servers one day during a pretty busy lunch service. And I was clearing appetizers from a table of four foodies who were on vacation in New York. And I overheard them talking and they were talking about all the great restaurants they'd been to. And they were on their way to the airport to go back home after their meal. And then one of the guests jumped in and said, you know what we've never had is a hot dog from a street cart. You know those, those moments in a cartoon where the light bulb goes off over the character's head. They've right. had a great idea. And so I ran out to the hot dog cart. And I got what New Yorkers call a dirty water dog and brought it back into our four-star <laughs> restaurant. And I, we had it cut up into four perfect pieces, added a little swish of ketchup, a swish of mustard, and a cannell of sauerkraut and relish. And before their final savory course, which was a honey lavender glazed Muscovy duck that had been dry aged for two weeks, <laughs> we put down the dog. street cart. <laughs> yeah. And, and I said, I want to make sure you... Were they blown away? I've never seen anyone react to anything oh. I'd served them like they reacted to that. You didn't tell them you were doing it. You just overheard them talking about it. And just did it. And that gave birth to this whole new idea 
where we literally hired people onto our team to execute more ideas like that. We called them dream weavers. And so, you know, a family of four from Spain in the restaurant, we watched their kids like look out the massive windows with wonder because it was snowing and it was the first time they'd seen snow. So the Dreamweavers run out into the city, find a store still open at eight o'clock on Friday night selling sleds. And when they leave the restaurant, there's an SUV to take them to Central Park to go sledding. <laughs> that is delightful. That is really delightful. Okay, I've got to ask you a question. And, you know, it's probably going to say more about me than, than it does about anything else. But, you know, a lot of entrepreneurs, they're, they're, they're just, you know, they got 2% profit margins. They're, you know, having to think about paying bills. You know, everybody's going, okay, th this guy's got the number one restaurant in the world. He's, he's loaded in money. That, what they don't realize is the profit margins on restaurants are, ex are extremely low. Yeah. And, and the pressures are extremely high. And going out and buying a sled doesn't help you get the critics to like you anymore. This is all heart-to-heart, human-to-human kind of stuff. What do you say to somebody who says, I'd love to do that, but I'm hustling too hard. I'm too busy. And- I'm afraid to engage that part of my heart right now because I've got to, I got to chase money. Well, I'd, I'd say two things. Um, first of all, I mean, that hot dog costs two bucks, right? So like, it's not the cost of the gesture. It's how it makes people feel. Ah, uh, that's a, that's a good word right there. But also one of the rules that has always guided the way I've managed my businesses, I call it the rule of 95, five, which I manage my money like a crazy person. 95% of the time, and then spend the last 5% quote foolishly. When you say you manage your money like a crazy person, I mean, you, you've got some rules and you're, you're very linear about it and you don't, you don't disobey the laws of physics as it comes to business or money or anything else. Every, you watch every single penny. That's a, that's a good, that's a really good, but 5% go nuts with it. Well, and then, but, and I say quote foolishly because it's not foolish at all. It's that 5% that creates your brand. It's that 5% that creates the kind of memories that give people an attachment to what you serve that will keep them coming back over and over and over again. This is what I can guarantee you. I could have put a full page ad in the New York Times, and I think it would have driven less people into my restaurant than that $2 hot dog, because I guarantee you those people told that story yeah. a thousand times. And it's not why you're doing it. However, it, the, the upside is, is economic. The upside does help you build your business. And, and uh, that, that's a wonderful answer to give us all permission to, to do this sort of thing. Okay, I want to go back to the book. The book just came out. Why did you write the book? Why did you feel like more people needed to know about this stuff? You know, the hospitality industry, as that, that term is defined, normally applies to restaurants and hotels. Right. But I think it can apply to much more. The U.S. used to be a manufacturing economy. Now it's a, a service economy, and dramatically so. I think three-quarters of our GDP are service industries. Mm. And I believe that the lessons I learned in a 25-year career in restaurants can really help transform any business that's in the service industry. Because I don't believe making good products is enough anymore, and I don't think that serving them efficiently is enough anymore. I believe we're on the precipice of becoming a hospitality economy. You look at the last two years and how disconnected people have felt from one another. I think connection is the thing that people are craving most of all. And what they're craving is where they will invest whatever amount of money they have to spend. And I think that businesses that prioritize hospitality have the capacity to win. I also think it just feels really good. Here, here's the thing. Like, with the hot dog and the sleds and all the gestures that my team and the Dreamweavers brought to life, A, our staff was happier than ever before because they were no longer just executing someone else's vision. They had some creative agency and they were much more committed to helping us achieve our goals because 
It was like turning salespeople into product designers. Mm. And I don't care who you are, the moment you feel you have a say in the direction of the thing that you're selling, you're going to give that much more of yourself to, to help it sell. Yeah. But also because, man, it just feels good to make other people happy. Yeah. <laughs> well, I was going to ask you about that too. What has it done to your soul to have these moments where everybody loves it when, you know, the, the rest of us have only a few places where we can identify with this. And, you know, the place where I identify is when you nail the gift, when you know it's somebody's birthday or something like that, and you just nail it, you know? Yeah. And I remember, you know, I, I had a friend who was thinking about writing a book and I, I ended up buying about 10 or 12 gifts for him and wrapped them individually and then put them all into one box. And he opened the box and it said, when you have your first chapter, you can open this gift. Dude. And when you have <laughs> this, you can open this. And when your editor, and then when you sign a book contract, you can open this gift. And then the last one is when you, when you, somebody hands you the book off the press yes. and you can smell the ink, you're allowed to open this gift. It was one of the most gratifying things that I, I mean, the person obviously loved it and wrote a book and it ended up on the New York Times, by the way, his first yes. book. And you know what? I thought about putting the New York Times gift in there, but I was like, no, that would be so sad. I don't want to jinx really, it. Yeah. <laughs> you have to look at this gift for the rest of his life. But that, to me, I think I got more out of that than he did because you just sat there and you figured out how to try to love somebody for, you know, it took months, several months yeah. to figure out how you're going to do that. Uh, what do you get out of that? And how, what has it done for your soul and for your life? Man, I, I've said for years that there are people that like to give gifts and those that like to receive them. And they're both just as selfish because there are a few <laughs> things more energizing than the look of complete joy on someone's face. When they receive a gift, you are responsible for giving them. Yeah. Even better, when you create this within your culture, the thing mm. that feels even better is when you see the look on someone else's face, when they see the look on someone's face that when they receive a gift, that person is responsible for giving. When suddenly you infect an entire group of people with the beautiful addiction that is giving gifts to other people. And by the way, gift isn't always an object. It could be time. Yeah, just something that uplifts somebody and says, hey, I see you and you're unique to me and you should hear that you're special today. Really a beautiful thing. It's October, so odds are you are in the final stretch of your fiscal year. And in this macroeconomic climate, you're also probably thinking about how to best optimize budgets and scale operations ahead of 2023. But you do not want the best probable solution to deal with whatever comes next. You want the best solution, period. Whatever stage your business is in, HubSpot's CRM platform is ready to scale with you at the flip of a metaphorical switch. With totally customizable hubs, HubSpot has thousands of apps that you can easily integrate, use, or get rid of whenever you need them or don't. Plus, transparent costs and an intuitive interface means there are no fancy frills to hide behind. That's because HubSpot isn't here to probably grow your business. It's here to help you grow your business, period. Learn how HubSpot can help your business grow better at HubSpot.com. You know, there's one thing that's really clear as I talk to small business owners every week, and that's that they need a plan. They need a plan to follow as they grow their small business. I started my business without a plan and probably, ah, gosh, in the 10 years I've been running a business, I bet I've wasted four of those just chasing down uh, ideas that didn't really help me grow my company. The truth is a plan is actually very, very simple. Uh, there are six frameworks that you need to know. And if you know those six frameworks, you have a plan to grow a small business. You know what you are doing. That's exactly what you get at businessmadesimple.com. You get a plan to optimize revenue and profit. 
You need email addresses. You need focus on three economic objectives. You need a clear marketing message. You need to invite the customer into a story. That's our sales framework. You need to manage your cash flow so you don't run out. All of that is part of the plan that is available to you at businessmadesimple.com. Plus, I host a live stream. You get access to me every month live. You can actually ask me a question. Join thousands and thousands of business owners just like you who have a plan to optimize revenue and profit. If you join Business Made Simple, you will have a plan too. Go to businessmadesimple.com and get your plan. Optimize revenue and profit, and you will not only survive, you will thrive. Go to businessmadesimple.com. And now back to the show. What are the pillars of unreasonable hospitality? So for me, if I think about the pillars of it, like the strategies that I've always employed in order to bring it to life, the first is being present, which is caring so much about the person you're with that you stop thinking about all the other things you need to do, such that you can pick up on all the little cues, the things they're saying or not saying that will make them feel seen. Now, I, I want to stop because... I really want everybody to understand that you're talking. The, the guy who said that runs a restaurant. <laughs> it's not, you have to be. You have to actually be present with twenty tables or however many tables there are, and God knows how many people are sitting at the bar. And how in God's name do you do that when you're having to remember that these people? And forgive my base example here. Need the queso and the salsa yeah. and, the, and the margarita at table three. Well, I mean, this is this is my thesis. I actually believe. I can go to a table, I can spend half as much time at a table, and they will feel more cared for if I'm completely present with them while I'm there. Mm. And if I just, if I'm more focused in less time, people will feel a greater connection. And then I have the ability to do it for everybody. You could talk to someone for an hour, and if they're not focused on the conversation, you leave that hour feeling zero connection to them. If they are completely dialed in to you for 10 minutes and you can tell that you're the only person they're thinking about, you feel much more connected to them in 10 minutes than you ever could in an hour. I remember we have mutual friends, Mark and Brian Canlis, and uh, Chris Canlis is their dad. They run Canlis Restaurant out in Seattle. And I think, I think it was either Mark or Brian said to me once, you know, I was having trouble remembering. I was like, how do you remember names? I wish I just had the superpower. I could remember everybody's name. And he said, you know what my dad told me once? And I said, what? He said, he said, you know, you'd be able to remember their name if you loved them. <laughs> that's a gut that, punch. If there that's was a, a, that's a different type of motivation. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but anyway, you know, if you actually cared about people, it'd probably be easier to remember their name. Well, and, yeah. Uh, I took that to heart. I really did. It was very convicting. I mean, we, we, we say sometimes in the restaurant, slow down to speed up. Mm. Meaning that if you slow down a little bit, you can have the wherewithal to know when to ask for help. Or something as specific as when you're entering someone's order into the computer, just read it again before you press send. That the moment you can slow down enough, mm. you actually become much more efficient. And I believe that applies to relationships as well. Man, you, it, it, replies to, it applies to everything in life. It, it applies to parenting. It applies to marriage. It applies to... Uh, work in our career and writing and everything else. All right, number one, be present. Number two, take what you do seriously, but don't take yourself too seriously. I, I think especially in customer service, far too often we let our self-imposed standards stand in the way of us giving the customer the thing they actually want. 
a dirty water dog in a four-star restaurant is sacrilegious, but look how it made them feel. I, I think far too often people try to do things that reflect this brand that they've created, and in doing so, don't seize on opportunities to make people feel totally served. And then number three, and this is perhaps the most important one, that if the goal is to give people a sense of genuine connection, one size fits one. Meaning this has to be a response to something about this person that you've seen and noticed. Yeah. The most profound gestures are a response to something that they gave you. Like, I, I believe I could have given that table a free bottle of champagne and a Home Depot bucket of caviar, and it wouldn't have made them as happy as that hot dog. No. No, it wouldn't have. Now, that doesn't mean that you need to constantly be coming up with in-the-moment ideas, right? Like, any business can do some simple pattern recognition. I'm sure, back to real estate agents, that they sell a lot of apartments or homes to people that just had their first kid. So hmm. get a bunch of those plastic outlet covers, have them in a closet at your office and make that the <laughs> gift, right? Like it's just about giving things to people, giving them gifts of words, affirmation, actual gifts that show they're happening for those people, not to those people. And if you slow down for long enough to actually find those opportunities, I think it's nothing short of extraordinary, the depth of relationships you can enter into and the success that will follow. You're talking to financial advisors, you're talking to real estate agents, you're talking to business coaches. Uh, what can we get from this book? Can you give us something from the book that would help us if we're not in the restaurant business or hotel business? For sure. Yeah, I mean, so the book, it, it, it's not just about how to serve our customers, right? It's about how to serve our, our colleagues as well, right? Like, normalizing cultures of feedback, how to seize on moments of adversity, how to set unrealistic expectations and goals and somehow bring them to life. But I believe the lessons apply to everyone. Let's take this idea of gifting and apply it to a different industry. Every time I've bought or rented an apartment, at best, the agent has left me a bottle of sparkling wine in my <laughs> refrigerator as my thank you gift. Yeah. At, at worst, it's the keys on the kitchen counter. Yeah. Now, this is someone with whom I've spent weeks, if not months, looking together for my new home. If they've been paying attention, they should know every single intimate detail of my life. And so just imagine for a moment if instead, when we walked into the place that we decided to move into, he overheard my wife talking about the nook that she would do yoga in every morning. And when we moved into that place, in that nook was a brand new yoga mat and a candle, along with a note that said, welcome to your new home. Now... <laughs> Compared I'm getting to the choked average, up and you're telling a fictional story. <laughs> <laughs> but think about it. Compared to the average commission, that's nothing. It costs nothing. No. And you will be faithful to that person for the rest of their life, and you're going to tell all your friends you need to work with this person. A hundred percent. And I guarantee you, 99% of the people listening to this, if you look closely enough at your business, you'll find opportunities for this to give people more than they expect. And if you just carve out a little bit of time and a little bit of money, the return will be exponential. I can guarantee that. Because people, man, like people have been so focused on products, they've forgotten about people. Mm -hmm. And I think people are craving that feeling of, of being seen again. Yeah. And we all have the power to give that to people. All it just takes is trying a little bit harder and caring a little bit more. Will, I'm... I I, I don't know that I've ever done this before. I'm going to ask my whole staff if they'll listen to this episode because <laughs> I, I, I just love it. Oh, thank you. And, you know, we, we think so much about creating a culture inside of our 
organization, but so much of, of a beautiful culture inside of an organization is created because you're serving hmm. uh, others. And that's what, that's what creates a bond even inside of your organization. Not only that, I'm going to pick up a copy of the book for every member of my staff. Oh, and uh, I appreciate because I, I, you know, this is an injection that that I think we need. I've really enjoyed today's conversation, and I'm I'm really thankful to have learned from you today. Thanks for being on. Thank you so much, man. Well, that was special. That was uh, that was one of those episodes that you're never going to forget. Uh, and you know, not just convicting to me as a business owner, but convicting to me as a human being made me want to be a better person. And uh, I know you're probably feeling that too. Thank you so much, Will, for coming on. You can get uh, Will's book, Unreasonable Hospitality, on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, wherever you buy books. Grab a copy for yourself. Grab a copy for every member of your team. You know, at the end of every episode, I give you a plan of action from today's coaching conversation. These are the main takeaways you can immediately implement to strengthen and grow your business. And today's plan of action is pretty simple. Join me in the hot dog challenge. I'm going to actually challenge my team. I'm going to tell them the hot dog story, and I'm going to challenge my team over the next month. I want you to uh, listen to our customers and blow their minds. I mean, respond in a one-size-fits-one-person way. Uh, I love that challenge. Join me in that challenge and let us know how it goes. I'm also going to get a copy. I wasn't kidding. I'm going to get a copy of uh, Unreasonable Hospitality for every member of my team and uh, ask them to read it, uh, and uh, and maybe we can just have, have a conversation about how we can get, do a better job with this. Hospitality will grow anything, and uh, if we understand what it means to make people feel welcome and make them feel special and make them feel heard and listened to and understood and make them uh, understand that they belong, you're, you're not just doing business, you're changing lives. Thanks, as always, for listening to the Business Made Simple podcast, where we help you build your business like an airplane so you can fly far and fast. See you next week.